Hey, this is Shane Valenstein, the pastor at City on a Hill Community Church. I want to welcome you to our sermon podcast. I hope that this podcast helps you grow deeper in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you want to learn more about our church, you can visit us at cityonahillmd.org. Enjoy the message. So we're in the middle of our Careful series, and this series is all about relationships. This is, this is our third week. We're talking about this all month. We're talking about the importance of relationships and all kinds of relationships, not just one specific kind of relationship. The first week, we talked about just relationships in general, right? How Jesus needs to be the center of everything. Doesn't matter if we're talking about a dating relationship, a romantic relationship, a marriage, a parent-child relationship, a friendship, a co-worker relationship. Jesus needs to be at the center of everything that we do at all times and at the center of every relationship. And then last week, we talked specifically about marriages and the roles that, that each person plays in the marriage and how we have a hand in the way that the marriage goes and the way that the marriage works. So today, we're going to continue our conversation, but we're talking about a little bit different things, right? We're talking not so much about romantic relationships today, but we're talking about the person who is not in a romantic relationship. So today isn't as much about dating or marriage as it is about not dating and not being married. What to do when we are single, in other words, right? Whether, whether by choice or not by choice. And we've been there, everybody, we've all been there at some point or another, right? Sometimes maybe we're like, you know what, I just need, I just need some me time. I just need to focus on me right now. And then other times we're like, I really wish that I wasn't focusing on me right now. And, and there's all these different places that we could be. And, and we know that it's, it can be sometimes difficult to navigate this sort of life. It can be challenging. See, there are people who are not in a relationship right now, and it is the best possible thing for you. It is the best possible place for you to be right now. And then there are also people who are not in a relationship right now, and it is killing you. You're like, I, I am really, you hate it. You don't want to be in the situation. It wasn't by choice. But here you are. Here you are. One of my favorite movies as a kid, and in my opinion, one of the greatest movies of all time, is The Sandlot. You guys know The Sandlot? Love The Sandlot. Um, and, and you know what? That movie still holds up today. All right? I'm a 90s kid, so it came out at the perfect time for me. But The Sandlot still holds up today. It makes me think of my childhood. It makes me think of, of summers without a care in the world. All that they were doing was playing baseball and living the dream. It's like, oh man, simpler times, right? That, that, was, the, that was the dream back then. But here's, if you, if you don't know The Sandlot, if you've never seen it, here's just the, the general plot of The Sandlot, okay? There's a new kid that moves into a neighborhood. He doesn't know anybody. It's in the 1950s. Doesn't know anybody. Is kind of lost out in the middle of nowhere, and he's desperate for friends. He just wants friends, don't we all, right? He, he, just, he just wants some friends. So he finds these guys, these, these boys, who spend all day at the sandlot playing baseball. That's all that they do. They don't do anything else besides staying and playing baseball. But if they go to school, they get out, they go, and they go play baseball till the sun goes down. He doesn't, this, this little boy in particular doesn't really know a lot about baseball, and he's not exactly the most athletic kid in the neighborhood. But he wants these friendships. He wants, he wants these relationships. So the other boys take him in as part of the team. He's, he's in, right? He's in with them. He, he has a relationship with them. And then, eventually, they run out of baseballs. So the little boy decides, my dad has a baseball. I, I'm going to go and use that. 
The problem is, this baseball was signed by a lot of really famous baseball players, including Babe Ruth. The great Bambino, right? That's what they talk about in the movie. So he goes and he grabs this baseball. I'm sorry if I'm spoiling the movie for you. It's only been out like 30 years, so. <laughs> so they grab the baseball, and they play with it, and they hit it over the fence. There's a problem, though. On the other side of the fence is a, is a giant dog named Beast. You don't want to mess with Beast. And the dog is owned by a guy named Mr. Myrtle. Mr. Myrtle is a nasty guy. He's scary. Nobody likes to talk to Mr. Myrtle. And he has this big, giant dog that is really, really terrifying. So the whole movie turns around when eventually the boys have to come face to face with Mr. Myrtle and with the dog, Beast. And what they discover is Mr. Myrtle actually isn't a nasty guy. He actually isn't mean at all. He actually is a, an extremely nice guy. And Beast, the dog, even though he looks terrifying, actually is not. He's actually a really nice dog, a friendly dog, a dog that actually can become the mascot of the boys' team in the neighborhood. So they had this perception of Mr. Myrtle. They had this perception of Beast that wasn't quite accurate. And they looked back and they realized they misinterpreted everything about Mr. Myrtle and his dog. Their perspective and their understanding completely changed about the situation, and their relationship changed. And even though this movie doesn't really feel like it has a whole lot to do with what I'm talking about today, there, there's, there's connection, okay? The connection is this, perspective. Perspective is huge. It's, it's so very important. See, all of us at some point in our lives have found ourselves with a single status. All of us at some point. And most of us don't really wear that label proudly. Some of us do. But a lot of us feel like it's almost like a, like a scarlet letter. Like, like there's something wrong with me if I'm single. There's something wrong with me if, I, if I'm not in a relationship. Why is it that I feel this way? Why is it that I think this way? And I remember when, when I was dating, everyone had had their relationship status on social media which i don't even know if that's a thing anymore but back when i was dating it's like we facebook was the main one that we used i know that kids nowadays are like facebook that's like if you're retired right you gotta have a aarp card to use but anyways um so I, like I, when i was a teenager or when i was in college and stuff it was facebook and you actually put your status your relationship status on there to let people know either you were in a relationship and then all of a sudden, it would go from in a relationship to it's complicated. That was an actual option that you could choose. I, I, is this still the case? I don't know. I haven't looked into it. Is it still the case? Okay, good. So it's really weird. I don't understand why we do this. But in a relationship to then it's complicated to single. That's typically the, the progression of how it would go. And when, when you would go through something like that, it's like, okay, yeah, I'm in a relationship. I want everyone to know I'm in a relationship. And now it's like, okay, it's a little bit questionable. And now I'm not. And now everybody knows it. Or maybe it's like, you know what? I'm going to make sure that the other person who I used to be in a relationship with, with, who I used to be in a relationship with, knows I've moved on. I'm single now, right? And I want the world to know it. I'm single. I'm ready to mingle. Let me get on Christian mingle. Do you guys remember that? Is that still a thing? Whew, that's something else. So anyways, for some reason, the word single can have a feeling of shame attached to it. 
for some reason. Now, if you are here today and you're single and you don't feel that, praise the Lord, you should not. You absolutely should not. There is no reason whatsoever to feel weird, bad, or anything else. But a lot of us get to a place where we don't know how to handle this. We don't know how to deal with this. And if, you, if you're in a, a, in a relationship now, you've been in for a long time, maybe you've been married for years, I, I don't want you to just like tune me out. I said the same thing last week to the people who are not married. Don't tune me out. There's still a lot of things here that are extremely important. And for you in a relationship, there's still a lot of things here that are extremely important. And you can go back and you can think to your experience. Maybe it was longer ago for you than other people, but that doesn't matter. You can go back and you can remember a time where you experienced some of these feelings. Maybe you feel like you're not good enough. Maybe you feel like you don't quite measure up to where you want to be. Maybe you feel like there's something wrong with you. If, I, if I'm by myself, what's wrong with me? And we're going to be honest here this morning. The church, I'm not talking about City on the Hill specifically. I'm talking about the church in general. Has done an extremely poor job of loving, of loving and ministering to single people. What the church has done is the church has gotten to a place where, where we, we act like you are incomplete if you are not married and if you don't have kids. And there is nothing further from the truth. And a lot of times at churches, it's, it kind of feels like if, if you're not married and if you don't have kids and if you're not in that status, then you're just kind of on the outside, right? Uh, well, I don't quite... I'm not dropping my kids off at the kids' ministry. I, I'm not sitting next to my spouse. I'm not sitting next to a significant other. I, I, are people looking at me? Is this weird? Is this make, I don't, and, and you can feel like you're on the outside looking in. And we can do things like, like, uh, like marriage small groups or community groups. We can have a whole marriage series. We can, we can talk about what it's like to be in these relationships. And there is nothing wrong with any of those things. Nothing at all. But the church is not just for people in relationships, amen? The church is for all people. No matter who you are, no matter what you've experienced, no matter where you are, right here, right now, the church is for you. And we have done an extremely poor job of combating the thought process of, if I'm not in a relationship, then I'm not good enough. We can make people feel like they just don't fit. Intentional or not. I would say most of the times it's not intentional. Most of the times, it's just the church is just focused on families, which we should be focused on. But we don't have to focus on families at the expense of people who are single. There's nothing wrong with that. We don't, we don't, we don't, we don't have to compromise both. We can do all of the above, and we should do all of the above. So obviously, there's a problem with how we understand being single. There's an issue here. And it's a word that doesn't sound, feel, or look good, look good to many people. But what if, what if that could all change? What if, what if the problem was with how we understand the word single? What if our perception was just, is just off? What if we're just missing something? Just like, just like how the boys in the Sandlot misunderstood Mr. Myrtle and the Beast, right? Learning that there was never actually anything wrong with the man or his dog, but it was their own view that was wrong. What if we found that once our perspective changes on the word, then we can better accept it and maybe even embrace it in a way that we never thought possible before? 
That's, that's what we're trying to figure out today. So we're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6 today. And 2 Corinthians, we, we have to get an idea of what ha- what's happening at the time that this book is, is unfolding. So Paul wrote this letter to the church in Corinth. And, and, and the church in Corinth is one of the largest cities in the Roman Empire, okay? The city of Corinth is one of the largest cities in the Roman Empire. And we need to remember that, that at the time that Jesus lived and the decades that followed, they were very, very, very tense politically. There was a lot of moving pieces going on. There were a lot of people trying to grab power, political power, all those sort of things. So, so Paul arrives at a very significant time for the city of Corinth and for the church in Corinth. There, there were constant uprisings from, from mistreated and persecuted people. The church had some difficult time in the, in the city of Corinth. So people were looking, they were looking for new leaders, they were looking for new direction, they were looking for people to help them, because they were hurting, they were struggling, they were, they were under the oppression from the Roman government, so they, they were really, really struggling in a lot of ways. And this is an interesting time, at, because the Roman government responded to the church, the early church, by really just kind of kicking them out. So Jesus comes, he's crucified, he's resurrected. He ascends into heaven. The early church is getting going. The early church is starting in the book of Acts. And the Roman government is like, no, 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 no. We've, we've got to stomp this out. We don't, want any, we, don't want the, we don't want these people getting any sort of power because we crucified their God. We crucified their Savior. So we got, we got to stomp these people out the best that we can. So when they sensed any sort of threat, the Roman government, when they sensed any sort of threat or, or any sort of suspicions of betrayal or an uprising from from this community they took care of it quick so in AD 49 all of the Jews due to the trouble that they were causing in the city they were forced to leave the city of Rome and many of them ended up in the city of Corinth which is about 48 miles west of Athens Greece so all that being said I I want to feel like a history lesson it's important that we understand this church that Paul is writing to are all refugees they were kicked out. They, they, they had no home. They had a home that they were then kicked out of and that they were then sent to another place. It's all important to note because now we have Jewish people coming from all different places. Right? Sometimes it's like, okay, I know my community. I know, I know my home. And then you go to a new community and you're like, oh, this is entirely different. There are totally different people here. That I, we, all different backgrounds, all different sort of relationships, all different things going on. I don't know what to think about this. That is the church in Corinth. So they kind of felt adopted. But they also still faced persecution. So they get to Corinth and they're probably thinking, our differences didn't do us any favors back in the city of Rome. And now we have this new community of people in this new city. We don't want to stand out. We don't, we don't want to stick out here. Let's just kind of fly under the radar. We got kicked out of our last home. Let's not get kicked out of this home. Let's just fly under the radar. Let's play it safe and let's blend in. And that's exactly what they did. The problem with that is they took it too far, the blending in part. And what they did was they started to adopt practices from other pagan religions in the city of Corinth. They were hanging out with other people in Corinth and were becoming like other people in Corinth. Now, don't get me wrong. The church is not supposed to be separate from the world. Okay? 
We're not, we're not meant to be monks living in a monastery here. We're, we're a part of the world. But we also have to be strong enough and be aware of how we interact with the world and be aware of not letting the world change what we do here. Because what we do here is focused on what his word says. That's what we do. The world doesn't determine how we act or behave. Jesus Christ does. But the church in Corinth, they were accepting some other things that were happening. They also promoted a lot of crazy practices in their church with, from other pagan religions. And by crazy practices, what I mean is extremely sexual practices in the church. In other words, Corinth is like MTV spring break. That's like what it's like, okay? It's a wild place. That's dating myself a little bit too, isn't it, Heather? Dating myself. But it's a wild place, totally wild. And the church is becoming just like that. So Paul comes in and he's like, hey, wake up. What are you doing? You guys, you're living like everybody else. You're not called to live like everybody else. You're called to live like Jesus. So in an attempt to fit in, the church lost their perspective. So Paul gave a clear advice on marriage, relationships, and, and also a lack of a romantic relationship. So here's what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 17. It'll be on the screen behind me. It says, each one should retain the place in life that the Lord assigned to him and to which God has called him. That is the rule that I lay down in all churches. Now, I like that verse. And that's the NIV version, okay? There's a bunch of different versions of, of the Bible. There's one version that's called the message version, which is not a direct translation, mind you, but it is a paraphrasing of scripture okay so that's the niv version to, to help us get a little bit clearer picture here i, I want to also read to you the, the message version now if you read the message version at home that's great i would encourage you to not just read the message version I, I actually the bible that i prepare my sermons from is a parallel bible where it has the niv version on one side and the message version right next to it and it gives me different perspectives so maybe you should look into that anyway so here's what the message version says and don't be wishing you were someplace else or with someone else. Where you are right now is God's place for you. Live and obey and love and believe right there. God, not your marital status, defines your life. Don't think I'm being harder on you than on others. I give the same counsel in all churches. So Paul is laying it down here. He's clear. That's what I love about Paul. He's straight to the point every time. Blunt, in your face. This is, this is it. Here's, here's what I'm saying to you. And Paul is referring to a temptation that we all face. This is, the, this is a temptation. When we are focused on where we aren't, we miss out on opportunities where we are. We do that all the time. When we're focused on where we aren't, I just, I just wish that I was at this place in life. I, w I just wish that I had this amount of money. I just wish that I had this sort of relationship. I just wish that I had this stuff. When we're focused on where we aren't, we miss out on things happening where we are. And this is not only relevant for relationships. It's relevant for everything in life. But, but today we're focusing specifically on relationships, right? See, we struggle. We struggle with being content. We struggle, and we typically think, if this just changed in my life, then everything would be fixed. If, if this one thing changed, my life is good. I'm not going to complain anymore. And maybe we even pray a prayer to God that sounds something like this. 
God, if you just do this for me, I will follow you with everything that I have. I will give you all of my life. I won't go down this other path. I won't, I won't keep going back to my addiction anymore. No, no, God, if you just change this for me, do this for me, and I'll do this for you. God, if you just fix this, then my life will be perfect. And there's only one thing that needs to change in your life for your life to improve. One thing. And that's trusting that God is working in your life right now. Right now. That's the only thing that needs to change. When we get to a place where we say, right now, right where I am, right here, everything that I'm experiencing, right here, right now, God is working in my life now. Not in a few years. Not, not when I get married and have a family. Not, not when I graduate high school, not when I graduate college, not even when I graduate from getting my master's degree and my doctorate, not even at that point, not even when I get my full-time job. No, no, no. It's not like God's waiting for me to do all these other things to work in my life right now. God is working now. And if I'm only focused on, well, once I get to this place in life, then I'll start changing some things. Then I'll start doing some things differently. If we're focused on that, then we're missing out on opportunity here and now. It's so very important. Right here, right now. And when we don't trust in this simple truth, we end up making poor decisions that affect our life in the future. That affect our life in the long run. In a negative way. We end up getting into relationships that aren't good for us. We end up pursuing unhealthy habits in an attempt to feel whole now. And we're missing the one healthy habit that changes everything. See, we, we end up making poor decisions in an attempt to impress other people. Or maybe to make myself feel a certain way. That's how we end up making poor decisions. When we don't trust in what God's doing now. See, your value, your value does not come from anybody else here. Now, it may in your life, for you, but your ultimate value, when it's all said and done, it doesn't truly come from people here. It comes from your relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you find your value in how other people view you, you will be let down constantly. And you will have a poor self-image. You will struggle with self-confidence why? Because we're putting our trust and our faith in people that are like this. So then what does that do for my life? It makes my life like this. Oh, they're in a good mood this day. They, make, they, they like me today. Great. I feel good about myself. Oh, they're in a bad mood today. They don't like me today. Maybe I made a joke that they didn't like or maybe I did something that they didn't like and now they're making fun of me and now my relationship is all messed up and now my self-confidence is just destroyed because I find my confidence in how you view me and it's not, it's not a sound investment. It's not. Now, it doesn't mean that you can't feel cared for by other people. This morning, I started off talking about how important community is. It's still there. It's still important. But your true value, your true value doesn't come from anybody else in this room. It comes from how you view your relationship with Jesus Christ. And it comes from how you view your relationship with God. That's where it all comes from. See, this, this doesn't mean that you will be in the same place in life forever. Maybe you're here right now and you're like, I just want this so badly. That's, that's okay. I get it. There's nothing wrong with that. But it doesn't mean you can't live your life today because you don't have what you want tomorrow. It doesn't mean that, 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 that you miss out on things now. 
doesn't mean that you just throw everything away. It does mean that where you are right now is where you're supposed to be right now. We know we can't change our past. We know I can't change the decisions that I made yesterday. What happened yesterday happened yesterday. We're living in today. I I can't change it. So where you are right now is where you're supposed to be right now. I need you to get this. Because far too many of us are like, ah, I'm not happy with right now. Okay, I hear you. I hear you. Are you trusting God with right now? Or are you holding back that trust until God provides something that you want tomorrow? That's really the question. And that's what Paul is saying to the church. Look, I know, I know that you're scared. I know that you're worried about this. But right here, right now, we are going to pursue God with everything that we've got. The Bible tells us constantly, constantly, tomorrow is not guaranteed. Stop ignoring today for the sake of tomorrow. You focus on today and, t- and tomorrow will take care of itself every single time. Every single time. If you're single, you're not incomplete. You're not less than. You're not not good enough. None of those things are true. None of them. The truth is, if you, if you never get married, you're not less than. Wherever you are, pursue God now. Don't make unhealthy decisions now. When you look back in your life, and you look back at that relationship that you were in where you were like, ah, I had no business getting in that relationship at that point in my life. Maybe you ne- never had that experience, and if you didn't, praise God. But most people did. And you look back and you think, what was I thinking? What was I doing? I don't, I don't understand why I would make that choice. Um, this is, if you've been around for a while, you're going to hear my stories over and over again. I'm sorry. It just, when you've got to preach every week, it's hard, okay? Just give me a break. Anyways, <laughs> talking about relationships, and I'm thinking, I was thinking about, like, what's, like, the worst relationship that I got into? You probably know this story if you've been here for a while. But anyways, I was, I was dating this girl who was a friend of my sister's, and we were only dating for a few weeks, and I did this thing called missionary dating. You know what missionary dating is? Because I was a Christian at the time. Actually, I was a pastor at the time. I was working as a youth pastor. I don't know if I was part-time or full-time at the time. Either way, I was working at a church. And um, uh, missionary dating is when you are a Christian and you know the person that you're dating is not a Christian, but you think, I'm going to get them. That's what you think. I'm going to get them to church, then they're going to become saved, and then we're going to live happily ever after. It's going to be a Disney movie one day. Right? That's what we think. So that's what I was doing. I was missionary dating. I knew she did not have the same beliefs I had. But we hang out long enough. I'm going to keep inviting her to church. She'll come. Everything will work out. So that's what we're doing. I kept inviting her to church. She kept not coming. So I was like, what is going on? I, she knows who I am. She knows what my job is, right? And so eventually it got to a place where we were, we were only dating for probably about a month-ish. And, and we're, we're out to dinner at Applebee's. Fancy, I know. And um, uh, half-off appetizers after nine. I was poor college part-time working so anyways and so we're at Applebee's and I was like okay I gotta lay down the law now because I gotta know where she's at and I, she, she's gotta start 
coming to church at least. So I, we sit down, we're at dinner, and I talk to her, and I say, hey, you know, I, this is really important to me, and if we're going to take this anywhere, like, I, you need to at least consider this. And um, her response was one I did not expect. Her response was, well, the problem is I'm a witch. <laughs> About spit out my boneless wings at Applebee's all over the table. <laughs> witch? Yeah, but don't worry, I'm a good one. Verbatim. Excuse me? We cannot be together. And her question was, why? It's like, I'm a pastor. You're a witch. I, you tell me you're the good witch, like in the Wizard of Oz? I don't know. I, what, I, what does that mean? It's like, I'm... I'm a good witch. It's like, uh, this has to end. We cannot continue on. And she was mad. She was mad at me. She sent me an email later. I know, right? That's, I don't know. It's kind of weird. She sent me an email and she said, you weren't honest with me. I was like, I wasn't. You're casting spells on me. I don't know what's happening. I don't know what is good. So it didn't, it didn't end the way that I thought it was going to end. But the problem is, I was willing to overlook things to be in a relationship that I had no business getting into. No business getting into. We do that all the time. No business making the decisions that we make, but we do it anyways because we're like, I just don't feel the way I want to feel. These feelings in my life aren't exactly what I want and what I'm looking for, so i got to feel the way that I want to feel, so I'm going to do things, I'm going to try things that will temporarily make me feel a certain way that will be great. And I don't care what happens in the future, I just want to feel a certain way right here, right now. And then we, ended up, we end up causing more pain, more frustration, and more heartbreak in our life than we needed. Something that could have been avoided. So if you're in that place not less than. Don't compromise who you are for the sake of somebody else. Don't compromise who you are because you want somebody else to like you. You focus on your relationship with him, with God, first and foremost, and you get your value there, and then you don't have to compromise yourself for another person who's going to hurt you eventually in the long run anyways. Trust God right here, right now. Later in 1 Corinthians, Paul says in, verse, in chapter 10, verse 31, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Every single thing you do. Everything. Whatever you do, wherever you are, whatever your relationship status, whoever you are with or not with, Live for the glory of God. People ask all the time, what is my purpose? Your purpose is this. Bring glory back to God. We bring glory back to God by loving him, by loving ourselves, and by loving people. That's how we do it. If, if love is at the center of everything that you're doing, then you're not doing anything wrong. You're making the right choices. You're making the right decisions. If, if you keep Jesus at the center of it all, if you're focused on pointing back to him, not pointing back to me, then it changes everything. See, culture tells us, tells us that we grow up, we get married, we buy a house, we have kids, 
we retire, we live the American dream. But your purpose in life is not to get married. Your purpose in life is not to have kids. Your, your purpose in life is not to work a job that provides six figures. Your purpose in life is not any of those things. Your one and only sole purpose in life is to point back to the one who created you, who sent his son for you, and who died for you. That's it. If you're doing that, you're doing good. None of the other stuff matters. All the other stuff is noise. Without this piece. But then, here's the cool part. When you include this piece, that relationship with God, then all of a sudden, your other relationships become more meaningful. Then all of a sudden, your job becomes more meaningful. Then all of a sudden, your schoolwork becomes more meaningful. Then all of a sudden, your, your friendships become more meaningful. Everything that you do becomes more meaningful. Why? Because you're doing it for a greater purpose than you. You're doing it for a greater purpose than what you see right in front of you. You're doing it for the purpose of the creator of the universe. And because of that, we then find purpose. We then find joy. We then find everything that we're looking for, that we're trying to place on the shoulders of another person to say, hey, if I'm with you, then all of a sudden I'm going to feel great. And it's not true. You only feel purpose when you hand it all over to the one who created you. That's it. And I realize it's way easier said than done. I realize that. But it doesn't change the truth. Don't forget who you are, and don't forget the purpose that you have. So I'm going to invite the worship team up. And if you're here today, and, and, and you're... And you're feeling like, man, I, I have not been happy with my life. Maybe, I know we were talking about not being in a marriage today, but maybe you're in a bad marriage today that's just struggling and hurting. You're like, this isn't where I want to be. How do I get to where I want to be? Or maybe you're that person here today where you're like, man, I don't have that person. I don't have that relationship. I don't have that job. Everything, everything. I can't, I can't stress this enough. Everything comes back to the feet of Jesus Christ. Everything. Because without him, all of this is meaningless. All of this is temporary. Our reward in life is what we see right in front of us. And if you ask me, that's not enough. I got to live for something more than that. I want to live for eternity, not just for right now. Not just for temporary satisfaction. So I pray that you have a healthy view of you. A healthy view of you. And a healthy view of your value, which is extremely valuable. Don't let anybody else change the value that you have of your life. It's huge. Amen? Let's stand and let's sing together.